What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com. That's H-A-W-G Sports.com. Today on Hogsports Live, we're going to be discussing Arkansas's recruiting graphics. Arkansas has done a great job of those over the years, and um, well, especially with this new staff, Cody Vincent and those guys leading the gang. Uh, Arkansas has a big July 26th visit list we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the Ole Miss game that I talked about last week, just kind of expound on that, the importance of it. We're going to discuss transferring, and I have a few ideas for the NCAA uh, to improve those policies. We'll touch on basketball recruiting, of course, the headliner, my top 10 impact recruits for Arkansas, plus Keith Grayson and YouTube's War Machine 2013 are going to join us. It's all happening on Hog Sports Live. All right, first thing I want to get to this graphic that uh, the the university just put out recently, Cody Vincent and the graphics team. You know, they have a, a policy that there are no bad ideas, so they just constantly stick stuff up on the board, and then they decide if it's a bad idea or not. But um, I thought they did a great job of this. So these are the Memphis kids, or several Memphis kids that they're after. Uh, this is from Bellevue Junior High School when they were all playing together. So uh, did a little bit of research and put this together. I thought this was super creative. Darren Turner, maybe a long shot at wide receiver, a four-star who's got LSU and Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, all those guys. Jabari Small may be a guy that uh, Arkansas has had a little bit more activity with. Uh, 5'10", 195-pound running back that they like. All the crystal balls right now point to Ole Miss, but Arkansas has got a shot. They're in there with him. But uh, right now there are eight crystal ball picks, seven crystal ball picks all pointing to Ole Miss. Amari Thomas is another guy that's been talked about a lot, 6'5", 300-pounder, a guy that could end up playing defensive tackle or offensive tackle. You get him here and then you decide. Uh, number 107 ranked overall prospect in the country on 24-7 sports. So, uh, but Alabama, Tennessee, you know, just a, a, an impressive offer list for him. Ray Curry Jr., an offensive tackle who's committed to Missouri right now. Uh, so, pretty interesting group. Anyway, I, I just wanted to bring that up just to give props to the graphics department because we just – we never really saw this kind of stuff in the past. I mean, they do some things, but, I mean, they, they crank out some hits. So uh, kudos to those guys for uh, their graphics. Next up, Arkansas's big July 26th visit list. Now, Danny has got a running list. I, I don't want to go over everybody, but I'm going to talk about some of the confirmed commitments right now who are committed to Arkansas. you got Chandler Morris, Mason Mangum. Alan Horace, Brandon Frazier, Takias Crawford, Jamie Vance, Jashad Stewart, all confirmed. And then there's probably, I would say right now, he's probably got close to two dozen names on there. I would expect to get upwards of 30 if you compare it to what happened last year. July is a big month for Arkansas recruiting. It's a dead period. I mean, right now it's a dead period that started on the 24th. It runs through July 24th. So that particular week is going to be very critical for Arkansas recruiting because every team in the country is going to be trying to get recruits in for that week because on August 1st, you start another month-long dead period until August 31st. So, uh, pretty interesting situation there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be a big weekend, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of four-star top type talents, including like Martavius French, Bryson Eason, two linebackers that Arkansas has desperately been after. Um, so, yeah, pretty interesting uh, stuff when that comes around. But right now we're in a dead period. Still stuff going on with recruiting. All right, before I jump into too much more, I want to remind everybody to like, share, follow, comment if you're enjoying the video. There is plenty of ways to watch. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please throw us five stars. If you like the content, throw us a review. Helps us get our reach out there to more people. We're also on Spotify and Stitcher, so plenty of ways to listen. Also plenty of ways 
place to watch Facebook Live. Throw us a thumbs up right now if you haven't done so already. And of course, YouTube. Uh, be sure to subscribe, like the page, and if you're on YouTube, hit that notifications bell. All right, carrying on. Where were we at here? Went over the July 26th visit with one guy who's not on the 26th visit list is, is uh, um, Blaine Toll, who's not on the July 26th visit list. Blaine Toll is actually making a decision uh, on Friday at noon. Uh, so I don't know, maybe it's a race. There's been a lot of crystal balls for Kelvante Dixon out of uh, Carthage, Texas, uh, wide receiver slash running back, athlete, punt returner, kick returner guy that uh, a lot of people have kind of jumped on as going to Arkansas. So who decides first, Blaine Toll or, or Kelvante Dixon? Uh, but Toll has actually announced when he's planning to make a decision. So um, watch out for Blaine Toll. Arkansas, Tennessee, Memphis, Oklahoma, Ole Miss has visited Tennessee on June 21st, visited Arkansas on June 12th, has not officially visited Oklahoma, and I don't guess that'll happen. But Blaine has said in the past that he wanted to decide before school starts. So maybe he'll visit Oklahoma afterwards. We'll see how that how that goes down. Um, okay, I wanted to just also, I got I to gotta be sure to mention, be sure to get some questions in. We're going to have Keith Grayson and uh, War Machine 2013 on later. For those who don't know, I mean, I think you're familiar with Keith Grayson now, uh, Razorback fan who has a lot of great takes. But War Machine I thought was an interesting character. This is a guy that has – you know, over 7,000 subscriptions on YouTube, has produced 803 videos, anything from like highlights of Arkansas versus SMU in 1982 to Daniel Gafford cut-ups to uh, uh, game cut-ups. You know, he'll take a game and cut it up, cut out all the, the stuff in between. So War Machine does a good job. I want to find out a little bit more about that guy. Um, all right, so Arkansas versus Ole Miss in week two. I talked about this a little bit the other week. Um, or last week, I guess. I just think this is such a big game for so many reasons because I do feel like Arkansas is battling that 2-10 and 10 record a little more this year than they did last year when it comes to recruiting. So, obviously, there's the idea of becoming bowl eligible. That would be big uh, for this team, you know. Um, team morale. You know, all the work you put in in the offseason, you brought in two quarterbacks, you've had so many transfers, 31 scholarship players transfer out in the last 18 months since Chad Morris took over. Um, all the work you put in in the offseason, just to have a win like that, I think that would improve your team morale because I, I think about last year when they didn't have anything to play for and just how out of hand things got, like, let's get this season over with. You know, that was just kind of the the feeling when you lose 52-6 to and 38-0. Well, I mean – there's no other way to describe or, or blame reasons for that. But, you know, last year, I, the reason I point to Ole Miss so much is just because they almost got them last year in Little Rock. You know, it was so close, 37-33. Ole Miss outscores them 23 in the second half. Or not in the second half, but just a, a surge in the second half, not all total. But uh, you lost Rakeem Boyd, Devois Whaley, Ty Story, who I thought was playing really well at the time. And Ole Miss has lost a lot. They lost uh, two second-round draft picks at wide receiver, a second-round draft pick in Greg Little, um, another tight end in the seventh round. So they lost some players, but it's not like they just quit recruiting. Matt Corral is supposed to be uh, a pretty good player. I mean, he was very highly recruited. They didn't just quit recruiting wide receivers. But um, I think it's key. you got a new quarterback, and Arkansas has new quarterbacks too. But um, – I think it's key for Arkansas to get them early, you know, before they have a chance to maybe gel all the way. So could be big for team morale, and as I mentioned, recruiting. I mean, they're, they're, there's no mistake that they're battling that two and ten. Whether it's recruits seeing it, whether it's coaches negative recruiting them, they're battling that two and ten uh, deal. So um, 
Let's see. Where's my page here? How many people we got on here? 47. Guys, I want to remind you one more time to go ahead and get your questions in if you got some questions for uh, War Machine. For those who are, are familiar with him, um, you know, he'll be happy to answer some of your questions. He's coming on later. All right. So I want to talk about some revisions for the NCAA. So the D1 Council just met, and uh, basically all they're reviewing is um, – changing some of the language to make it a little less subjective when they're deciding the waiver process for players uh, and just adding some language like extenuating, extraordinary, mitigating circumstances, you know, where you have to have documented um, evidence of this kind of stuff. So basically just making it a little more difficult, which is fine. I mean, if you – if you're gonna if you're gonna apply for a waiver, you, you know you, you need to make sure that it's 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 reasonable and, and it's it makes sense. I've got some suggestions that they're not going to talk about. These are my suggestions for NCAA transfer rules revisions. All right, number one, require first of all require the student athlete or the person who claims them as a dependent to at least inform the head coach of their intention to transfer before they go to compliance. Because right now, they only have to go to the compliance department and then the coach can read about it on Twitter because that's that's just a great way to do business. I mean, just make it where they have to inform the coach first and have a conversation, maybe so it's not so just, you know, I'm out of here, I just go tell the compliance department they have five business days to put my name in the transfer portal. I just think that makes sense. Tell the coach first and tell the compliance department or tell the compliance department and then tell the coach, one or the other. But make, make them have to do those two steps. I don't think that's too much to ask. Um, number two, uh, I think this makes a lot of sense. I've said this before on Drive Time Sports, but make players who are about to enter their junior or senior season, allow them to transfer without restriction. I mean, this isn't. these are older, more mature young adults who aren't just transferring out because the coach yelled at them or they got homesick because they're freshmen, you know. These are guys that have given it a good college try. They, you know, they've given it a shot. And the fact of the matter is, if you're about to be a junior or a senior and you haven't started contributing yet, the coach is fine with you transferring. I mean, the coach is probably encouraging you to transfer. To fit under the 25-85 rule where you can bring in 25 players a year but can only have a maximum of 85, you have to have like seven players leave your program every single year just to fit in that, under that cap so where you can bring in 25 new players every year. So the way it's set up, I just think it makes sense. This isn't a perfect system, but it makes more sense than what you have right now. I still think that freshmen, sophomores should have to sit out a year. Again, it's not fair. Life's not fair. It's not a fair system, but uh, it's the best thing that I think is out there right now. And by doing that, by making them sit out a year, you still have that that moment of pause where, you know, if I do transfer out, I've got this. Maybe I should stick it out. And I think that's a good thing. And, you know, before you say that's not how – here's the deal, too. So it just – there's not a there's not a better way to do it. I don't I, that I can think of. And some if somebody has a better way, put your comments at, below. Love to hear anybody else's comments on that. But I think you make freshmen do that. Freshmen do that, and sophomores, and then let the older players transfer. You know things aren't working out. Why not? All right, number three. This is this is the last one. Allow players entering. Their, uh, I already said that one. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So you can. Uh, this this has to do with graduate transfers, and this kind of annoys me, but because you have players that. You know, they after four games of the regular season, there. This has to do with the new four-game redshirt rule and grad transfer. So you'll have players that are close to graduating. After four games, 
they just take it upon themselves to register themselves and then announce that they're going to focus on schoolwork and uh, take a grad transfer route. So you just quit on your team in the middle of the season to go transfer out. I just think that's an awful look. I think it's an awful look for college football because there's certain things that matter in my eyes with college football. It's the players, it's the fans, it's the people who work in the programs, and it's the overall integrity of the game. And that, to me, spans everything from cheating to unwritten rules like not quitting. You know, no, it's not written anywhere in a rule book that you can't quit. But sometimes unwritten rules are more important than than written rules. And before you say that, like this is, you know, the NFL does it. Players are traded midseason, all this stuff. This isn't the NFL. This is college. This is you know technically amateur athletics, if it even should still be that. But it's a wise man once said. College football and the NFL are like Portuguese and Spanish. They're similar, but they're still two totally different languages. So that's kind of how I look at this. I, I, I don't like the look of players just saying, hey, I'm transfer, or, or, hey, I'm redshirting. You know, when it's, it's the coach's discretion to redshirt the player. So the player says, I'm, I'm redshirting. I'm leaving the team. You know, if you want to leave the team, then there's nothing wrong with transferring in the offseason. There's nothing wrong with that. Transfer in the offseason, give your coach, give your team time to adjust, make changes that are necessary. That's fine. But not 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 the week of Texas A&M, which it would be for Arkansas this year after after four games this season. So those are my policies. Let me know if you agree with them, if you got any comments on them. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. So my thoughts on transferring. All right, uh, a little bit on basketball recruiting. Arkansas uh, – Busy week of recruiting and coming up. Jalen Ricks, um, who is scheduled to visit Thursday, this next Thursday, uh, out of Sylvan Hills, 6'5 guard in the 2021 class. Um, you just had Bryce Thompson in the 2020 class visit, who is a big-time five-star recruit out of Tulsa, Booker T. Washington. And Jalen Williams visited uh, Wednesday, who is out of Fort Smith Northside, uh, 6'9", 230-pound center. And, you know, when I think about – some of the stuff going on in recruiting, I think about the Arkansas basketball roster. You know, you're probably going to have four spots next year. They've got one spot open this year, uh, you know, with Justice Hill and Khalil Garland, you know, with their situations opening up a couple of spots and actually bringing them below the limit for the first time uh, in a while. So you're probably going to have four spots next year. And they're on some big guys outside the state. I mentioned Bryce Thompson, you know, K.J. Walker. There's there's some big-time guys. But I look inside the state and I just think you got K.K. Robinson out of Bryant, number 68-ranked player in the, in the country right now, uh, who's a point guard. Moses Moody by way of North Little Rock, uh, but at Monteverde Academy in Florida. Um, who's got a big-time offer list, number 38 prospect in the country, probably the biggest name out of all those guys. Chris Moore, also probably a household name, number 117 overall prospect in the country out of West Memphis, a four-star. Actually, on 24-7 sports, he's the number 88 prospect in the country. But um, another, you know, there's your power forward in the class. I mean, uh, and then I mentioned Jalen Williams out of Fort Smith Northside. Williams comes in at number 111 overall, number 76 on – uh, 24-7 sports individual composite ranking. So, I mean, that would be pretty – all those guys are 24-7 sports, not on the composite, but on 24-7 sports. All of them are top 100 players. That didn't include Gerald Dokes, who has transferred to Houston, Pro Vision Academy, a charter school there, and reclassified to 2021. But, you know, he's out of Jacksonville. It doesn't include Devontae Davis, who's number 95-ranked player in the country, um, who's committed to uh, Missouri. So – or excuse me, Oklahoma State on Dokes. So 
I mean, that's six big-time guys inside the state. Musselman hadn't offered those two guys from Jacksonville, but uh, Mike Anderson had, and, of course, Dokes reclassifying to 2021. So, um, anyway, I think that would be interesting. If they could pull that off uh, inside the state, I mean, that's the kind of class that you just you dream about. Brett Bielman never had that class. Bobby Petrino had that class. I think Chad Morris had that class in 2019 also inside the state. So, now to the headline of today, top 10 impact freshmen for Arkansas. Before we continue on, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, Trey Biddy with hogsports.com back with you now. Top 10 impact freshmen. We're going to go ahead and run them down. This is my thoughts. So, number 10 on the list. We're going to go reverse order. I'm going with Amante Spivey. Now, Spivey, I think... I just look at him, six foot, 208 pounds. Arkansas beat Ole Miss down the stretch for him. Number 30-ranked player in Alabama. Um, I think he combines a lot of good things, positive, you know, speed, power. Uh, you know, Arkansas didn't sign a high school back last year. So, this he's the only back that they've signed um, in the last two years out of high school ranks. And the reason I have him on this list more than anything is because running backs can either run or they can't. You know, there's some things you can improve on, pass pro and stuff like that, but you can run or you can't. So name me a running back at Arkansas who redshirted his first year, not because of an injury, so don't say Michael Smith. Michael Smith had hamstring issues. So name me a running back who redshirted his first year at Arkansas and went on to have a great career. Uh, if, you got, if you got that answer, put them in the comments below, but I don't think you do. Because I couldn't think of anybody. I could not think of any running back that redshirted their freshman year, not freshman year, not because of injuries. All right, number nine on the list: Shamar Nash out of Memphis, Tennessee, uh, via IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Enrolled for the spring, uh, had really was rolling with the second group most of the time. Had a 48-yard uh, uh, catch from sophomore Dalton Hyatt, one of the few big plays for the offense in the red-white game. So Shamar Nash, I see him kind of fitting into the slot, even though he's like 6'2". I think Arkansas lists him at 6'3". Somebody's got to play the slot, and all these guys are 6'3 or taller that are coming in in this wide receiver class. Jalen Catalan, number eight. Everybody knows my stance on 
freshman safeties. Not a big fan of him, but this guy's. I don't. I just think he's kind of special. Plus, I think he can help uh, possibly at the nickel. I think he could help at punt return, at kick return, uh, an exceptional punt returner in high school. Now, this is a guy that tore his ACL. And uh, in the first game last season, Danny West was actually there to go see him, and he tore his ACL in the first game. But from everything I've heard, he's, he's going to be fine. Uh, so expect him to play next year. Arkansas's thin at safety. I mean, when you talk about the backups right now, uh, your backups are Miles Mason, who played some last year as a freshman, and Micah Smith, who – I guess is a junior, redshirt junior, hadn't really contributed a whole lot so far. So uh, I could definitely see Jalen Catalan sliding in there and uh, getting some reps with the second team. Number seven, Eric Gregory, 6'4", 280-pound defensive end, a guy that could possibly grow into a defensive tackle at some point. But as of now, Steve Caldwell likes him as a big defensive end. Was working with the second group at left end in the spring. Uh, this is a guy that was actually a three-star composite, even though on two recruiting ser- two out of the three major recruiting services, he was listed as a four-star recruit. So Eric Gregory, my number seven. Number six, Gregory Brooks Jr., uh, 5'11", 178 pounds, 4.55 laser time in the 40-yard dash, a guy that has been praised for his quickness since he arrived. Immediately started working at the nickel. He's rotating with Devon McClure right now. He's working at the second team. The thing that the reason I think he gets on the field early, first of all, they're thin in the secondary. But uh, next is uh, because Devon McClure goes about 6'2, 215 pounds. So he's a different kind of nickel than Brooks, who's, you know, 5'11, 180 pound guy. So I think. Depending on the situation, you see those guys move around. Uh, you know, if you're third and long, definitely passing. Then maybe a more likelihood that you would see Gregory Brooks Jr. in there. So uh, he's number six on my list. Mateo Soli. Mateo Soli out of Douglasville, Georgia. Four-star, number 326 nationally. Uh, had a ton of offers. Uh, but Steve Caldwell, who's done a great job recruiting for Arkansas in both his stints at Arkansas, did, did a great job bringing him in. Um, and, of course, uh, his ties with his dad, Junior Soley, being a former Razorback. So, with the Soley, he the guy registered 22 and a half sacks last year. You don't just do that without elite quickness off the line of scrimmage. So, uh, Mateo Soley is a guy that I think has uh, just a ton of ability and um, needs to add weight. You know, he's going to be a guy that's a third and long uh, specialist probably next year. I say don't change him too much. Don't try to pack on a ton of weight on him in the offseason. Goes about 6'4", 225. You know, that may even be pushing it a little bit on that weight, but, you know, don't just pack a bunch of weight on him. Do it slowly because he's a guy that can help you get to the quarterback next year, which they desperately need. Number four, Devin Bush, rolling with the second group. This is a guy that almost didn't sign early with Arkansas. He was, If you remember, he was going to hold off and wait and then ended up signing on Friday. The early signing period was on a Wednesday, so he waited a couple of days but signed and decided to come in early. He's working at backup left cornerback behind Jarquez McClellan. Big corner at six foot 190. One of those guys that feels snubbed by the home state school uh, in LSU, even though he had Auburn, Clemson, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, several others uh, offer him. So Devin Bush, uh, a big-time cornerback prospect out of New Orleans uh, that Arkansas got. Number three, Traylon Burks, another ACL tear. If you've seen any footage from track, then, you know, Traylon Burks is good to go. Love the video I saw of him watching Gunsmoke the other day. This is a guy that likes Westerns. Very interesting kid. Fishing. That's kind of how I said when he commits. When Traylon Burke and Marcus Miller commit, uh, you're going to see basically they're just going to commit. You know, you, you it may or may not be on Twitter. It may be somebody else reporting it. But they, they'll they commit and then they'll go fishing. That's kind of how it would be. But, you know, Traylon Burke, 6'3", 225 pounds. Great speed, great athleticism. Um, 
he could end up being number one on this list. In fact, any of these three guys could be number one on this list. And and put your comments, vote on on what you think. Traylon Burks, uh, my next guy, Hudson Henry. So Hudson Henry, just to move on from Burks, who Burks I think is going to be a player for Arkansas next year. But Hudson Henry has a chance to come in and impact immediately as the number two tight end. Arkansas uses a lot of two tight end sets. They don't have a lot of guys on the roster. Um, you know, when you look at the senior class, you got Cheyenne O'Grady and then two guys that hadn't really contributed a whole lot. So I look for Hudson really to come in. He's got to learn what's basically the second most difficult position to learn on the offense at tight end. But – I just see him as a guy that, um, you know, you can split out wide, do a lot of different things. I imagine a day when you've got like Cheyenne O'Grady and Hudson Henry, Traylon Burks, and Trey Knox all on the field at the same time. So Hudson Henry is my number two guy for biggest impact. And Trey Knox, you know, I think largely based on the fact that he did enroll early, maybe give him a slight edge over these guys. We'll see how things shake out at the end of the season. But the thing with Trey Knox that impressed me was not that he was 6'5", 218, because I knew he was going to be big, but he's all of that. But his quickness, I mean, this guy is super quick for being so long. But Trey Knox um, made plays time after time in practice, eventually moved up to the first team, uh, replacing Mike Woods, who had a, a hand injury. Though I think what you're going to see in the future is an offense that's probably going to have um, – Mike Woods and Trey Knox in the starting lineup and probably early on Deion Stewart also in the slot those probably be your first three wide receivers out there so let me know what you think vote comment what do you think who's going to be the biggest impact true freshman uh, coming in next year all right where are we at on time we are 25 minutes in all right so next guys I'm going to bring in my two guests Keith Grayson. Everybody knows Keith Grayson. He is the disgraceful former president of the Arizona Razorback Club. Where's my graphic there? And War Machine 2013. They are my guests today. Let me give me a second to get those guys on the horn here. This is Keith Grayson. Hey Keith, how you doing, man? Uh, so I was just doing a, a little bit of an introduction as your, you know, Arizona Razorback Club disgraced former president, Razorback fan, um, and uh, just all around entertaining guy. Uh, we don't have War Machine just yet, but he'll be joining us shortly. How you doing, Keith? I'm here. War Machine is here. War, so War Machine 2013, just to give a quick introduction on him. You've uh, got over 7,000 followers on YouTube. For those who want to follow him, it's War Machine altogether, 2013 altogether. Um, you got 7,000 subscribers, 803 videos, anything from cut-ups of Arkansas and SMU from 1982 to... Bobby Petrino's best, the best of Bobby Petrino, Daniel Gafford highlights. It just goes on and on. And um, so, but first, uh, Keith, I want to want to bring you in. You got anything you want to say uh, to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm a little starstruck. You know, I've lived outside of the state for 14 years and found War Machine pretty early on in his uh, video days. And so it's good to get him on because I have a tradition, I think, one of my buddies was staying at my house uh, that was traveling out here to Scottsdale. Uh, Lee Edwards, he's like a, a bar a bar guy back from Little Rock mm. that most people may know. And um, we had just lost some heartbreaker earlier this year. I think it was to Western Kentucky or something. He's like, turn the TV off. And I was like, mm. no, nah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go online. And after every loss, what I do is I go on and I watch a, a War Machine video of a victory mm. to make me feel a little better. Yeah. So glad he's here. War Machine, how did you get into doing this? I mean, there's like, it's interesting to me, there's Razorback fans out there who've kind of found their niche in, in Razorback media also. 
Um, you know, Stu Hogg, as Kelly Griffin mentioned, is a good example, a guy who does kind of similar kind of stuff with baseball. Um, you know, there, there's other fans out there like that. But you've been doing this for a while now. What? How did you get into to doing this? Well, I've been doing this about 10 years. I started in the fall of 09. Um, you know, I just – there were other guys at the time that were making videos, and I just kind of wanted to do my own thing. And thankfully, my dad had like 25, 30 old basketball and football games of VHS. I'm like, mm -hmm. no one else has these up on YouTube. No one else has any footage of this up. So I might as well be the guy to get this going. And then it just has blown up even more than I could possibly imagine since then in the last 10 years. It's, you, just, it's crazy. You, you, do, you can't monetize any of this stuff. Am I correct? I mean, this is kind of kindness yeah. of your heart type of deal, right? Right. And I, I teach history. So to me, it's really important that this stuff is out there just for history's sake, yeah. you know, because I'm only 27. A lot of these games happened before I was born. So like, for example, if my dad or my grandpa talks about a game, I can just go pull up the highlights of it. Or if someone else hears their dad or mom or whoever talk about a game, they can go on YouTube now and see that game. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the great things I've uh, been able to do with it. And I love being able to do that. Yeah. Wait, so it's at school. Do the kids call you Mr. Machine or Mr. Twenty Three or Twenty Thirteen? <laughs> well, they actually don't know it's me. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, probably you know, call me Mr. Machine. If I had a guess. I don't know if uh, some people may not know this, but I'm actually the producer of this show, so I bring the talent in. So I, I reached out <laughs> to War Machine uh, via Twitter to get him on here and made that a trade. Cool. At I, I did trade. At, tr Trey doesn't know about this, but I traded him. Um, he has to make. A highlight package like he has done uh, for his other videos but then but it's going to be a 1995 parochial league championship game between christ the king bears and the saint Teresa's, whatever they were back in the day where i made a, a boneheaded play on man-to-man -man defense and gave up the game-winning layup but um we're making that for all my buddies so he yeah is indebted to me forever for being on this podcast that's funny that's right <laughs> is that is that true? That highlight. is that true you're gonna make that highlight? Uh, yeah I, I did agree <laughs> to do it he just hadn't sent it to me yet. <laughs> I have my old high school VHS highlight tape. I thought about putting that on Huddle, see if I could get recruited. <laughs> it's not very hard to make a video on Huddle nowadays. No, it's not. So, Keith Grayson and War Machine 2013 joining us. If you're not following War Machine on YouTube, you, you ought to do that now. If you're a Razorback fan, I mean, nobody's putting out better content game cutups and highlight videos in war machine 2013 doing right now so what did the 2013 where you one of the guys are like well that's the year i'm starting this so might as well be 2013 and then you're you're just kind of stuck with it uh well 2013 was actually the year i got my undergrad degree so that's mm -hmm. kind of why i picked that year gotcha. and then i got my master's if i started it later i would have used my master's i got my master's in 16 but right now that, that's the only reason i picked 2013 there was no other Special memory behind it, just the year I graduated. Mm -hmm. So I, I, he's a good follow on Twitter too. There's some pretty funny incidences that's happened over the course of the yeah. season that I've been following. So, in me being kind of a loud mouth at the games, I, I, I get into it with the opposing fans. But you got into it with the uh, Indiana fans. Well, my dad did, and I just kind of joined in just for the heck of it, mainly to keep my dad from tearing apart the entire upper deck above Walton. <laughs> Uh, it seems like every time I go to a game with either my dad or my mom, too, we find a way to get into some verbal sparring with opposing fans. 
See, but it was after a win. It was after a win, though. I only feel like pushing old ladies down the stairs, LSU fans, like after we lose. You know, he was doing it during the game. I don't even know what they said. I wasn't really paying much attention. There were a lot more Indiana fans there than I thought would be. It's kind of weird how many they had. I don't even know what they. I just that's not. I think we're losing War Machine. Well, he is in Jumper. Yeah, we're losing War Machine. He's in and out. Hey, Keith, I had a question for you. This is from Terry Roy. It's Debwall Whaley's uncle. What makes you think that 2-10 and won't happen again? What's changed with this team? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I replied to Terry Roy. That's Debwall's... As Duval Wally's uncle? Duval Wally's uncle, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so I should probably I, – I let Terry know that it is 11.30 his time on a Thursday in June. Yeah. So just keep carrying that. That, that, that seems like a lot of energy uh, to be negative that early <laughs> into the – it's not even the off season, or I guess it's the out of season. So um, what – What? why do I not think that we'll be 2-10? and 10? So I have a weird – I do have a weird – theory about chad morris mm-hmm. i think that he holds back um and sets the bar very low and I, I don't know nobody will admit to this but i think he does not implement a lot of the things that he's going to do on purpose and i'm not saying he loses on purpose i'm just saying that you <laughs> in college football you get pay raises and you get better jobs on improvement so if you go two and ten five and seven you know eight and four over a three-year span um i just you know that's that's what he does at smu and i think that nobody again that's my own conspiracy theory that they may have sandbagged a little bit last (laughs) year so (laughs) i'm gonna tell you that's that you're probably wrong on that keith (laughs) that's an interesting that's an interesting theory but uh i would i would doubt that they were sandbagging wins last year all right. Well, I was going to share my story now that I think War Machine's back. I, I was going to share machine. my story there. I, I got some advice for him. So the, the best time that I ever had is usually when I go back to a, a game at Don Dub, I sit in the visitor section. Hmm. And that's usually, um, you can get pretty decent seats. You're like fifth row or something. You're sitting right behind the band. Get some great interactions. So we just sing the national anthem it's real quiet and i scream out against the florida i don't know what year it was but scream out put tim tebow on a stretcher and i think i was sitting like with his parents and the mayor of gainesville or something and i've never had so much trash thrown at me you know it was it was uh, appropriate for the response but um that was a pretty good time I, we did lose the game but we we won the uh smack talking contest hmm. So good deal. I didn't get sucker punched by anybody in George's war, war machine. Why is Arkansas going to win more than two games? Give me one main reason why they're going to be better this year. Just the improvement of the skill guys, especially at the receiver position. Mm-hmm. I think that alone will, the Trey Knox is an absolute stud. And then that he's just one guy. I mean, you got Traylon Burks coming in and all these other guys. I think that alone and can I kind of piggyback with that quarterback position will be better too. Yeah. So I think those two will make it so much better. My biggest concern is the O line still, but well, you know, I'll tell you, we'll I'll, I'll tell you one reason right now is they're they're not going to lose these non conference games. I think they win all no. four of those non conference games. So um, let's see. Jeremy Brigham has replied to Terry, and Terry can take it. I mean, he he has some hard, he has some strong takes, but he can he can dish it back and forth. 
Claire Bailey listening in Phoenix. Thanks, Bob. Hey, what's up? You know Claire Bailey? <laughs> Claire Bailey lives two streets down from me oh, and yeah. uh, birthed me. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, Brent Treadway says, do the Hogs have any chance at some big-time offensive linemen in the next classes? They got some chances. I mean, um, I mentioned Amari Thomas earlier who could possibly be offensive line, def- defensive line, but Takiyas Crawford's already committed, number nine ranked. Uh, offensive tackle in the country, top 100 player. We talk about Garrett Hayes a lot. Really, I don't think you add more than three offensive linemen in the class because you already got Luke Jones on board. So, um, so if let me ask you this: if if Myron Cunningham beats out Colt Jackson, does mm-hmm. Colt Jackson slide to the right side? It's a good question. I mean, you basically have to try to get your best five on the field, right? So. I think if Myron Cunningham proves that he's one of the best five and Colton Jackson says, proves he's one of the best five, then I think it's more likely that Cunningham moves inside at guard at one of the guard positions. And I've said before, I don't see why Shane Clinton doesn't get more action at center. I mean, if you're if that's the way it ends up, that's the scenario. You know, and you Austin Caps and Shane Clinton are, you know, some of your you two of your best five guys, then it just makes sense for me to to start getting Clinton more work at center. He takes pre practice snaps at center, but doesn't do much in in practices. So, and I don't I just so, don't think that Ty Clary is being pushed really right now by Silas Robinson. Or, I just don't think he's there yet. Machine, how much video do you watch? I mean, you're putting all this stuff together. You're watching full games and breaking it down into highlights. Do you do you actually kind of like break stuff down from an like analytical standpoint, or you're just looking for big plays? Uh-huh. Uh, not a, not necessarily Arkansas games. Um, I'm looking for typically what I'm looking for for a highlight video or ten plus yard plays, tackles for loss, sacks. I think I'm going to start including um, like the penalties that lead to scores, just mainly things like that. Uh, just big hits in general. I would love the penalties thing. If you could put that together, yeah. please, I would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to do that a little bit with this SMU video I did. Of course, I had to include the, the infamous pass interference call. Yeah. That was in there. Yeah. And then there was like a personal foul I showed in that that set up an Arkansas touchdown. Um, I think that would be a good addition because I've seen other guys do that. And maybe I might show some punts and stuff that, you know, flip field position. I don't know. I'm kind of toying with some ideas on that. Mm-hmm. What about What about controversial losses like when – Boo hit Chris Leak. Oh, that yeah, one's the coming. Helmet, the helmet. I got that oh, video that made. It's it's coming soon. So yeah, right that, on. that was something. I exited, the, sta- I exited the stadium on that game in Arkansas race back. I actually was walking and caught the rest of the game. Literally uh on Palmer, on Palmer Street, which is just off <laughs> just off of uh Razorback Road. And uh yeah, I missed that one. I got a similar story. I got a story kind of uh, about somebody missing a game that I've been wanting to tell for a minute. And uh, I it was I was a student at, at U of A, and we we're playing LSU and as the Miracle on Markham, the first one. And LSU kicked the field goal, and we got the terrible bad uh, field position. And I see Joe Klein walking right under the stairwell where I'm at. And I lean over the rail, and I'm probably nose to nose with him because he's like some sort of uh, gigantism freak, and he. Uh, <laughs> I said, you of all people cannot leave this game right now. We're about to win. And he just smiled and took his family that was like, uh, he was sheltering under his arms because I was uh, inebriated <laughs> and left the stadium. And he listened to the Miracle on Markham in his car. You know, the Miracle. And I'll probably still haunt his dream. The Miracle on Markham, I was like four rows up. I was sitting with my friends, the Joneses. And I just remember, the thing I remember about that game is, 
when the play happened, it was like a domino effect of heads leaning over the railing and you couldn't see it. But I could, I just remember seeing one head after another, you know, just, just go in a row. It's like a wave of heads. Um, I remember to look down at Mike Jones and he was crying and I started crying. Oh, you're in the end zone. I was, no, I was like, we had fantastic. We were like four seats up on the 50 yard line. But that's how, like, well, so I was looking down the 50-yard line, and it was just like a row of heads just going one after another. That's how I knew that I had matured a lot, because after that game, I the person next to me jumped the rail and got maced with, like, bear spray mace or something. And Jeez. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to test that one. Do you hear that story about that guy who sprayed his family with bear, with uh, bear repellent? No. Yeah, they, like, had to go to the, like, I, I guess he thought it was, like, insect repellent. Like you spray it on you, not at the bear. <laughs> they all had to like go to the hospital. I mean, crazy what people. Was well, this did. a Florida man? Uh, no, I'm guessing That's it was probably story. probably a little further west. All right, guys. Any last words of wisdom? Go for it, War Machine. Uh, go Hogs. That's about all I got. That's very well, smart. Well, I want to. Yeah, you can't. You can never go wrong with that. No, I want to appreciate. Uh, Trey, I just want to appreciate you uh, having me on uh, as much as you do because this is the number one rated Arkansas Razorback podcast on iTunes. I don't know if you check the rating systems compared to everybody else, but uh, and the only one that has any more ratings, five star ratings, is Bo's show that's been on for twenty five years or yeah. something, or whenever podcast came out. So you are the uh, this is the number one podcast well, in, the, in the universe. Well, I appreciate that, guys. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Later. All right. I guess. Yep. All right. That was Keith Grayson and War Machine 2013. Again, you can uh, follow both of those guys um, on Twitter. I've got their Twitter handles up here if you want to take a look. Keith Grayson underscore and War Machine at War Machine 2013. Both those guys do a great job. And um, just to, to Keith's point, if you haven't thrown us a review and you like the content, be sure to go to Apple Podcasts, throw us that five-star review, and, uh, and give us a rating. Only if you like the content. If you don't, then, then uh, we don't want to make you do something you don't want to do. But we are five stars right now. Uh, I think we have like 90 reviews, so things have been going well on uh, the ratings there. Also on Spotify and Stitcher, Facebook Live, be sure to throw us a thumbs up, heart, frown face if you don't like it, whatever you want. Uh, just interact, comment if you got any comments. Like, share, follow, comment as we say. And on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel, throw us a thumbs up, and hit that notifications bell as well. Also, hogsports.com is $1 right now for your first month and then regular price after that. So you get a full month to decide if you want it for just a dollar. Uh, most people, most everybody does stick with that. For, uh, I'll give you, go ahead and give you a warning. And uh, you could also sign up for a year and get a seven-day free trial with that and then get 30% off your first year. I want to hit up some questions real quick. We're not done yet. We've got a few more questions uh, that I want to get to here. Uh, Brent Treadway said, we talked about the offensive lineman. We talked about Brent Treadway's uh, post here. Um, Anthony DeAnt Tenor, um, that's my main concern about this team. We're getting all these top skill players, but not enough offensive linemen to protect the passer or stay with their blockers. Uh, I'm not saying that they're just going to be, you know, blow you out of the water with the offensive line this year, but I, I think they're going to improve. And I, the reason I think that is just because the competition, the numbers are better. Now they have 16 scholarship offensive linemen, including Luke Jones, who'll have to sit out this year. But that just gives them, you know, just for, for lining up a two deep in practice, being able to promote and demote in practice. Some of those guys that are redshirt sophomores are, are getting a little older, Dalton Wagner and 
Shane Clinton, who we talked about earlier, Kirby Adcock, some of those guys are getting a little bit older and starting to compete. Myron Cunningham and Chaboyzian Wana coming in. You know, you got some guys like Colton Jackson. It's their senior year. So I think that there are plenty of reasons why the offensive line should take a step forward. Now, when I talk about things like being good and being better, understand that I'm speaking in the context of getting back to a bowl game, not competing for an SEC championship or 10 wins or something. I'm talking about getting back to a bowl game. So I think that there'll be some improvement on the offensive line. Defensive line's got a lot of seniors. I mean, your top five, I guess, defensive linemen, your two interior guys are seniors, both projected starting ends are seniors, and your your next guy, I guess, would be Jamario Bell as a senior. So you've got a lot of older players there. Um, let's see. Craig Rush says, what's the latest word on Broughton? He's talking about Vernon Broughton, defensive tackle out of Texas that Arkansas had in for an official visit not long ago, brought like a dozen people with him. I think that's a good sign. Danny West has got a crystal ball pick in for him. He's the only guy. Everybody else has it for Texas, but Danny West has a crystal ball pick into Arkansas. Um, Steve Welton says, with Connor Nolan sticking to baseball, I really think there – I really don't think there's any shortage at the quarterback position. Agree? I wouldn't say there is. I mean, we talked a little bit about this, Steve, last week, how they've got a guy in every single class now. You've got a senior in Ben Hicks. Nick Starkles, your junior. Your sophomore is Dalton Hyatt. Your, your redshirt freshman is John Stephen Jones. Your true freshman is K.J. Jefferson. And you got a guy in the 2020 class. Craig Rush says, Trey Knox, Dalton Hyder. Adam says, War Machine, exclamation point. Um, what else we got for as far as questions? We'll always remember that Florida game, says Claire Bailey, absolutely. Uh, Dustin Hoofman says, how are we looking at the wide receiver position? A lot better than they have been last year. I mean, they, they finally got some speed there. If you're talking about recruiting, they've got a couple of commitments on board already. Uh, some other guys uh, like Alex Adams, I would say, be a guy to keep an eye on. Colin Sullivan has since committed elsewhere. Jalen Polk has committed elsewhere. But Mason Mangum and Savion Williams are committed right now, and they have four four-stars in the 2019 class, um, led by Trey Knox, who enrolled early. Traylon Burks, probably a guy with the – the biggest upside out of that group, I think. Um, I don't know about winning six, says Ramilikin Beagles. That's a tough one, Ramilikin. I don't. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough name. Um, he's got him winning six, but um, or not. Doesn't know about winning six, but definitely thinks they'll be better. And that's a good point because it's not just about winning games. Obviously, you want to get back to a bowl game. But how about not getting the snot kicked out of you, fifty-two to six or thirty-eight nothing? You know, how about not having those kind of things happen to you? Um, you know, that's what I want to see. I, I can forgive, you know, showing improvement, getting beaten by a better team in the fourth quarter because to me that's something you got to learn to do. You got to learn how to finish a game, and once that happens, it seems like a lot of times the light will come on, and uh, you know things start piling up after that. Gregory Qual says, "Are they going to recruit more linebackers for 2020? They need to." I talked about Martavius French. And Bryce and Eason, those would be the two guys I would say probably, um, you know, you really have your eye on. Aaron Moore is another guy out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Eason and French are both out of Memphis, Tennessee. Whitehaven, which is where uh, Arkansas's defensive uh, tackles coach Kenny Ingram is from. Uh, there's a few other guys, but the guys that Danny has listed is, is you know, hot are those guys. And then Jashad Stewart, who's I think more of as an edge guy, outside linebacker. And I'm really kind of thinking about, you know, who are the inside linebackers they need to bring in because – They've just frankly under-recruited the position year after year after year going back to 2012 probably. I mean, they just – they never bring in enough linebackers. And then when they did bring in a big class, you know, you look at that one class you had um, – well, really the only guy that's panned out, they brought in four linebackers, the only guy that's panned out is Dijon Harris in that 2016 group. 
Craig Rush says, with better QB play, we beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a good game to point to, too. They did lose a lot, especially on the defensive side of the ball and lost their quarterback. So, you know, if you think about Arkansas being fighting for bowl eligibility or fighting to get to a better bowl game at the end of the year, you know, maybe they play a lot better against Mississippi State. And I just think 52 to seek reeks of letting go of the rope last year. Craig Rush says, plus out-of-conference games, Colin Clay should be on your top ten list. Potentially. The thing, the reason I didn't have Colin Clay in there is because I think he slides in at defensive tackle, and I think Arkansas has got a little bit better depth at defensive tackle moving forward. But this is impact. I think Colin Clay is a future starter at Arkansas, but is he going to be an impact guy next year? I don't know. So that's why he wasn't on there. I was just thinking more guys that are, are going to jump in. It's probably why a lot of offensive skill guys are, are in there, not a lot of linemen. Um all right, I think we pretty much caught up, guys. Terry War says a lot of things have changed and let's and left, so I see seven wins. So Terry, in spite of all that, sees seven wins. All right, everybody, I want to remind you one more time, give us a thumbs up if you haven't done so already. If you're listening on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel, throw us a thumbs up, and hit that notification so you can be alerted every time we have something. This is the last video for a little while. I'm going on vacation next week. We usually do these on Mondays and Friday, or Mondays and Thursdays, but next week I will be out of town, so I won't be able to do that. So um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, again, give us that five-star rating. Uh, if you like the show, helps us get – Get our message out there to more people. We're also on Spotify and Stitcher. So uh, for Keith Grayson, for War Machine 2013, this has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com. Last show for uh, at least over a week. Uh, so we'll catch you guys on the 8th of July. Have a uh, happy 4th of July, and we will catch you next time. 